Hello, listeners. I'm Helena Carbon, the president of Just World Educational, a nonprofit that works to expand the discourse here in the United States and worldwide on vital issues of peace and justice, especially in the long troubled Middle East. This episode of our podcast is the third in a special mini series we're releasing as part of our Cast Lead Plus 10 project, which started last December 27th and is running for 22 days. This project marks the anniversary of the Operation Cast Lead assault that Israel waged against Gaza during these same 22 days 10 years ago. If you're on social media, we're using the hashtag hash cast lead plus 10 with the 10 in numerals to draw together the many activities we're running on our Twitter and Facebook accounts. Do follow us on both those platforms. We also have the earlier episodes in this podcast miniseries and a lot of other material on our website at www.justworldeducational.org. So do check back there for regular updates too. In this episode, you'll hear the first half of a conversation I had about Cast Lead recently with Dr. Basim Naim. At the time of Cast Lead, Dr. Naim was the Minister of Health in the Palestinian government in Gaza. Currently, he heads the Gaza-based Center for International Relations. In this episode, Dr. Naim relives some of the most painful moments he experienced during Operation Cast Lead both as the Minister of Health and in his personal life, from the first moments of the massive air assault on Gaza City that Israel launched in the late morning of December 27, 2008, when Dr. Naim was in Gaza's largest medical facility, Shifa Hospital, until when the ceasefire was reached 21 days later. He also talks about the very painful legacies that Cast Lead left in Gaza, and the failure of all efforts to hold Israel accountable. So now, listen to this first half of my conversation with Dr. Basim Naim in Gaza. Just be aware that there is some background noise, and on a couple of occasions, our connection got cut. Um, I'm here with uh, Dr. Basim Naim, um, who is speaking from Gaza, and this is part of our... Cast Lead Plus 10 Years Project. So first of all, Dr. Basim, you were the Minister of Health at the time of Cast Lead. So um, could you just quickly share with the listeners some of your um, memories of those uh, 22 days? Tell us a little about the situation in the hospitals, in the emergency rooms, and with the health, health infrastructure during Cast Lead. Thank you very much, and uh, Happy New Year for uh, for you and for all your uh, listeners. First of all, I have to say this is one of the most painful moments in my life. Uh, we went under, we we went through many painful uh, moments here in Gaza and in Palestine in general. Uh, I survived the 1967 war, 1973, uh, first intifada, second intifada, and so on. But really, this was the most painful uh, moment first, because at that time I was the Minister of Health, and I have the responsibility for the health sector in Gaza, 
at a very, very uh, difficult time after two years at that time of, of, of the Israeli-imposed siege. Second, uh, because at the most horrible uh, nightmares, we were, were not expecting such uh, a crime against our people, really. Accidentally, I was, uh, as a minister of uh, health, visiting Shefa Hospital at on Saturday, uh, 27th of December 2008, uh, to, to see uh, or to meet around 140 doctors who, uh, uh, who, were, uh, who underwent, who underwent an, an exam for, for, for the subspeciality, and suddenly we heard uh, airstrikes everywhere in Gaza. And uh, you know, after a few minutes, we started to receive in Shefa Hospital the bodies of killed people and uh, many wounded people. And uh, I, I can remember after 30 minutes or something like that, some of the, one of the journalists asked me, uh, what do you expect, Dr. Bassem, uh, of these airstrikes? And in a maximum at that time, it was for me uh, to imagine that maximum 20, 25, maximum 30 people will be killed and dozens will be wounded. And in one hour, we have received in Shefa Hospital alone around 300 killed Palestinians and hundreds of wounded because 60 airplanes, 60 Israeli airplanes, attacked hundreds of uh, sites in, in Gaza Strip. And uh, I am sure that uh, many of the wounded people who arrived to Shefa Hospital alive they lost their lives first because of the huge number of casualties where we were, we were not able to to control the scene. We were not. We, we don't have the capacity to uh, to cope with this uh, huge number of uh, of casualties. And second, because of the disastrous situation in the health sector, lack of medicine lack of uh, disposables, lack of uh, many needs, uh, problems of electricity, uh, problems of fuel. Uh, really, it was, again, one of the most painful moments of uh, my life, but I have to take the responsibility and I have to deal with this and I have to take actions. We spent the whole day dealing with the results of this, uh, the beginning of the 21 days aggression on Gaza. As I said, more than 300 killed, hundreds uh, wounded, uh, hundreds of houses and uh, or institutions were uh, fully or totally or partially destroyed. And uh, we were not uh, sure what's, what, what will happen on the next day. Is it only an airstrike what, like what happened before or it will continue to escalate more and more. And uh, on the second day, we discovered that, uh, no, it is a real war against uh, our people. And as I said, we it continued around 21 days.
every day we have received dozens of people killed. Most of them, uh, or many of them, are women, children, uh, civilians in the streets, in the houses, in high buildings. And uh, as I said, all of this happened, happened while we are suffering of a very strict, tight siege imposed by Israel on Gaza. So, um, Dr. Bassem, when you speak about Shifa Hospital, that's the biggest hospital in Gaza. What proportion of the casualties would have come to Shifa Hospital and what proportion would go to other hospitals? You can see most of the uh, uh, aggression was concentrated mainly on Gaza and north of Gaza Strip. Uh, the middle zone and the south of Gaza Strip uh, especially at the beginning, was, uh, and I cannot say excluded, but uh, the, the, the number of attacks was limited. Uh, most of the attacks, because they have concentrated on police stations, on uh, security offices, on civil defense, on schools, uh, houses, high buildings, and this is mainly in, the, in Gaza City. In Gaza City. Uh, in, in the in the yes, Gaza City. This is the biggest city in, in the the the, the strip. Therefore, most of the casualties, and I can, I don't have exact numbers or figures, but I can talk about nearly ninety percent or more were uh, within Gaza. Within Gaza, uh, came to uh, to Shifa Hospital, which is the more the biggest. A medical complex, uh, not only in Gaza, but also in Palestine, with around 1,500 employees. So you also had responsibility for the Ministry of Health. Was the Ministry of Health one of those that was attacked in the in Gaslad? Some of our institutions, uh, of our vehicles, staff uh, were attacked. We have lost uh, some of our doctors, nurses, and paramedics. Uh, dozens of uh, ambulances were totally destroyed or partially attacked. Some of the primary healthcare centers, and I can remember, I think one or two hospitals were partially uh, destroyed. So after the uh, after the attacks started, did, were you able to immediately get help from the International Red Cross or from any international other international organizations? Yes, and WHO, International Red Cross, and other uh, international uh, agencies, they took the initiative to uh, and contacted us. And asked us about our needs and what, how can they help? Uh, and they have tried based on what they have in, in Gaza, so inside Gaza, and based on the budget was allocated for Gaza, was tried to, to help. But uh, uh, honestly, the strikes, the aggression was much much bigger than any budget or any uh, stores by by. Uh, some of those uh, international agencies. Uh, okay, later on they have tried to negotiate with the Israelis and also with the Egyptians to bring in more support for the health sector. Uh, as I said, medicine, disposables, fuel, and uh, other things. Uh, but th this doesn't, as I said, this didn't co 
cope with the magnitude of, of the attack, of the aggression, and I'm sure we have lost many lives. Could you also speak, you don't have to do this, but um, if you're ready to speak a little about the situation of your own family during Castled? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a surgeon, general surgeon. Uh, at that time, I have, uh, I was married and have six children, but because of the aggression and the very dangerous uh, situation, I wasn't able to see them for uh, the 21 days uh, because any movement, of, especially of the ministers or uh, responsible persons here in Gaza, was it could mean uh, immediate uh, assassination if he was and it was suitable for them. I can remember one of the most, one of the very, very painful moments for me on the, I think, on the 9th of January, uh, I was in Shifa Hospital. Uh, My brother, he's an orthopedician, and his son was uh, a paramedic, and he, the, the, the Israelis attacked the, uh, the ambulance where he was with other two paramedics, and he was killed immediately. And he, 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 he reached the hospital, Shefa Hospital, and in a very serious situation, hopeless situation. But uh, uh, on one point, I was responsible for the whole situation in Gaza. I cannot even leave my my uh, site or my uh, room to uh, express my um, my emotions, my feelings towards my uh, niece. Uh, it was really difficult. At the same time, his father was uh, doing uh, a surgery for one of the wounded in al hospital. This is a Christian uh, supported hospital in Gaza. And he cannot leave uh, the theater because at that time it was nearly nine o'clock in that night. Uh, and it was very difficult uh, moment to decide what can I do. I cannot leave the hospital, Ashiva hospital, because I am responsible for the whole situation. His father cannot uh, come because he is working in another hospital as an competition and he's doing surgery. And uh, the, uh, his, the other, and his mother, and sisters, and my ma, uh, ma his grandmother, and ma, my, ma, my uh, mom, uh, they cannot come to the hospital at nine o'clock. It's very dangerous. It is very serious. Uh, really, it was very difficult for me. Uh, and uh, I don't think that anyone around the world can can imagine what does it mean for you that you even you you don't have the facility or you don't have the the chance to accept to, to express your feeling in this very striking moment or event oh i'm i'm so sorry gosh it sounds terrible yeah you are losing one of your one one of your family your right this is one of the moments my house was threatened at least one or two times by the Israelis. Then I was not sure where I cannot leave the hospital because it was very dangerous. But at the same time, 
I am I am worrying about my family. Where can I put them if the house destroyed? Uh, therefore, I heard only indirectly from uh, people coming to the hospital that sometimes my family was by my um, mother uh, for a few days. Then they uh, moved to uh, to uh, my brother-in-law. Then they moved to another house. I mean, during the 21 days, they moved from side to side because, as I said, our house is, is threatened to be attacked. And when they moved to a house or to another house, they... It is bombarded, bombardment everywhere. And this is some of uh, of the my family experiences, where, as I said, I am sure nearly all families in Gaza have something like this, uh, painful moments where they don't have even the chance to express their normal feelings. Even, for example, my my niece who was killed was killed by the Israelis. What we call it in English, the site we are where we we the graves. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we call it in English? The cemetery. Yes, uh, it was so dangerous that you don't have you you cannot you cannot bury him in the cemetery. Uh, and therefore, we have to find any, any few meters of earth here or there to, uh, to, to bury them. And therefore, we found a small, I mean, not I, I mean the family, they have on the second day looked for a small few meters in a very, very old, yani, uh, what 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 you said cemetery yeah uh, which is not used for decades so there must have been many people many bodies sadly to uh, to bury in those days and many yes, families many, having it's very dangerous to reach yeah. the 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 most uh, the, the newest one uh, it is near the border in the east of Gaza mm-hmm. city and it was very very dangerous it is not easy to go there, and we we have uh, witnessed at least uh, one or two times they have attacked people while they were burying their uh, relatives. Oh, it must have been terrible. I'm I'm sorry to uh, have you relive these memories, but it's important no. for for people to understand, you know, what it's like to live through something like that. Um, yeah. If we then move to the question of the legacies of cast lead. I mean, in terms of how the hospitals and the health health structure in general was afterwards. Um, were you able to rebuild and um, reconstruct what you needed? Yeah, I can and say politically. Also, at the same time, the Egyptians, because of the very huge pressure from different international agencies and NGOs and so on, they have opened the borders because Rafah was also closed and uh, Gaza was under siege from both sides. Uh, This allowed many NGOs around the world to come to Gaza and to bring 
different kinds of supports, I mean, uh, medicine, buildings, material, and so on. But the problem was, first of all, you are talking about, at that time, two and a half years of tightly imposed siege on Gaza. We were in need for every everything, really. Fuel, uh, medicine, even soap, even shampoo, even everything was absent. Second, most of the people, they have no cash money. Even if they have the building's material or what, what they need, they don't have enough money to do it. The third point, the Israelis, they have did their maximum to prevent some of what so-called dual-use or double-use materials to come into Gaza. Therefore, you can build a house, but suddenly you don't have the needs for electricity infrastructure or for uh, floor ceiling or for uh, windows. And I can remember uh, Shufa Hospital was damaged nearly all the windows in Shifa Hospital because they have destroyed the mosque near, uh, near Shifa Hospital, immediately near the hospital. And maybe for one year, uh, all the windows were closed with the plastic uh, foils mm-hmm. because of absence of glass, <laughs> even including ICU, including intensive care unit. It was closed by plastic uh, foils uh, because the Israelis didn't allow any kind of glass to come in. Uh, again, it was so intensive uh, siege and so complicated that maybe from Outside, you cannot see what does it mean, siege. But if you go into details, at one time, some of the officers on the Israeli borders, they were calculating how many people are living in Gaza and how many, how much calories do we need to keep them alive. And they allowed food and other needs to come into Gaza so to cover only the calories to keep people in, uh, of Gaza only surviving. Right, I remember that. Yeah, you can imagine what does it mean, that an officer sitting in Gaza, it is, they were dealing with Gaza like an animal farm, <laughs> like, an, uh, like a zoo. Yes, like a zoo. You are throwing some food, some uh, water, some medicine. (laughs) Did you support some of the efforts to get accountability from from Israel, like um, go to the International Criminal Court, or what was possible? First of all, I think most of the crimes were clear. You don't need very, very sophisticated investigations to accuse Israel of war crimes or crimes against humanity. And maybe you can remember at that time that uh, the Secretary General of of the UN came to Gaza because the Israelis, they have attacked uh, UNRWA schools, uh, school uh, UNRWA medical facilities, Mm -hmm. and even UNRWA storehouses and uh, UNRWA cars and staff. They have killed some of their staff. Uh, and they have uh, investigated everything. Okay, but what's next? Zero. 
Second, many yani, uh, human rights groups here in Gaza and some of the governmental bodies in Gaza, they have sent uh, claims to uh, to the ICC and the, but. Uh, and at that time, you can remember that they have formed this special uh, committee head, uh, head right, by the go- uh, Goldstone. Goldstone. Com- After a long discussions with the Israelis, they have refused to allow them to come in, and finally they came through Egypt. Uh, but what's what happened after that? Nothing. Third. Uh, we really we are suffering here of the facility, uh, and, and, uh, and I, I say even until now we are weak in, in in documenting professionally many of the crimes committed by Israel. We don't have uh, the needed staff, the needed facilities. We don't have an experience how to investigate uh, chemical weapons or uh, or uh, biological weapons. We see uh, white phosphorus bombs, we see uh, depleted uranium and so on, but how to, to document this professionally, we don't have the facilities. I know that some uh, activists, uh, they took the, 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 the responsibility personally and they took some of the samples outside Gaza, and uh, we have reports, I think, from uh, Italy and uh, France, where they proved that uh, most of the weapons used in Gaza, they have uh, included depleted uraniums or many heavy metals and so on, which is can- cancerous or uh, leading to many other uh, diseases or to uh, infertility or uh, poisoning waters for decades later on. Uh, and this, this is proof. But again, what's next? Nothing. Right. Today you are talking about 10 years. No one of those who committed this crime uh, was brought to the to, to, to the court or uh, or, uh, or, or uh, at least accused officially as a, a war criminal or as a criminal against humanity or so hi again so I want to tell you that on January 6th we'll be releasing the second half of this conversation with dr Basim Naim in which he talks about some of the political after effects of operation cast lead and then gets into a fascinating and timely discussion of the Great March of Return, which is the large-scale and very creative movement of non-violent civilian mass action that citizen activists and political factions launched in Gaza in March of last year, and which continues until today. Stay tuned for that episode in our mini-series on January 6th. Also, I know I told you earlier that today we'd be releasing in this podcast miniseries a conversation with social justice activist Joe Catron, who spent three plus years in Gaza from 2011 through fall 2014, and who recently joined Just World Ed as our Director of Outreach. That episode has now been postponed until January 12th, and we're lining up some other episodes too. 
so you all have a lot to look forward to here. This mini-series on Just World Podcast is part of our broader Cast Lead Plus 10 campaign. You can find more information about the campaign on our website at www.justworldeducational.org. If you click on the Donate tab on the website, you can learn about how you can help support our Cast Lead Plus 10 campaign and the rest of our community education programs. We really appreciate any financial or volunteering help you can give us. Thanks, stay well, and tune in again on January 6th.